Adrian Cress is a writer and actor born and raised in Toronto. She is the daughter of two high school English teachers and credits them with inspiring her love of both writing and performing. She is the author of the Explorer series, including the new book, The Explorers, The Quest for the Kid. Uh, to find out more about Adrian, visit adriancress.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Adrian Kress. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, that is all the things. So you don't have just one book coming out in the next <laughs> little while. You have two books it's coming out. It's kind of, yes, it's really crazy. I've never been in this situation before. And it's, I get asked by um, kids when I do school visits, like, do you have a favorite book? And mm-hmm. I always answer, no. Like, do your parents have a favorite kid and yeah, then there's yeah. always a strange pause because maybe Sometimes I've uncovered they, yeah, they, something. They do like Johnny more than me. <laughs> it's dangerous, I've yeah. realized. Um, and the answer is always no because each book, you know, and, and but I've never actually had this sort of competition between my two children mm, before because right. I have um, The Explorer's The Quest for the Kid, which wraps up my trilogy, which I'm kind of really emotional about because I've never actually finished a series before uh, coming out next Tuesday, but it's it's probably in stores it, already. It's in stores already. Yeah. Let's assume and, yeah. that you can buy these books. Yes, right you can. Now. And also, uh, just a plug of your intro to my book launch is on Sunday. You know uh, what? This is airing after all. Oh, that. okay. Yeah. So it. it yeah. I'll pause. <laughs> so yeah. So basically, I have that book out, and then in a couple weeks, I have uh, a tie-in novel with the uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine video game. Yeah. So you, these are two very different books, very though. Different. So you've got the one that you have been invested in for some time. Yes, you, for at least three years. Yeah, yeah. And and you know you get uh, involved in these characters. You created them. You have yeah. lived with these characters, <laughs> and uh, and now. That, that series has come to a close. Uh, but this other one, uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine, that's a, a gig that you were brought into. It's yeah. an existing property. Uh, and so do they feel different? Um, it's interesting. I, I wasn't sure how the, the, the writing of uh, Bendy would go uh, because it's it's a sort of a brand new concept. I've done a couple write for hires, but not for something that's like a pre-existing mm-hmm. co- uh, media thing. Thing, that's yeah. the technical term for it. But once I was writing it, and maybe it's because the developers did give me so much freedom, they were they definitely were on the phone, you know, listening to my suggestions yeah, and, yeah. and tweaking things, but they really gave me a lot of freedom. So the only really big difference I felt in the writing of it, and this is the biggest irony of my existence, <laughs> um, is that it's a uh, horror and okay. I, um, I, and you're not a I fan. am not, as you know. Yeah. I, I'm this huge film buff. I obviously am an avid reader, and I get so traumatized by scary stuff. And I have tried. I, I'm better than I was when I was a little kid. I can mm-hmm. watch thrillers, and I can watch things with animals killing people. That's okay. Right. But uh, general horror, I just can't. So that was really funny because the explorers is very much in my wheelhouse. It's an adventure series. It's absurd. It's If you're an adult reading it, because I do believe Kidlet is yep. also for adults, uh, you can see a lot of sort of satire about the adult world in it. I like to... And I like to just make fun of adults because I think we're completely ridiculous, we quite are. frankly. We um, are. Well, so, let, yeah. let's talk about The Explorers. Um, speaking with Adrienne Crest, she has not one but two books coming <laughs> out. Uh, the Explorers, The Quest for the Kid, wraps up a series that you've been writing for some time. Uh, and then you have the Bendy and the Ink Machine novel for Scholastic, which will be out, uh, or which is out right now. So The Explorer series, let's start at the beginning of that. <laughs> 
Okay, so this show is now five hours yeah. long. <laughs> um, well, the, so the, 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 the basic concept, if I can perfect my elevator pitch, is it's two kids, uh, Evie and Sebastian. They end up meeting up. They don't know each other at the beginning of the book, but they end up meeting at this Explorers <laughs> Society, a kind of underground cool society for, you know, Explorers. explorers. Yes. <laughs> Obvious. If you're not an, an yeah. explorer, you don't know about these cool underground it, it, Well, societies. exactly. It's, it's, it's very secret. <laughs> keep it secret. Keep it safe. And um, <laughs> they end up stumbling on this um, mystery of the, the sort of missing uh, explorers team called the Philopendulous Five, who were very famous a couple decades ago, and now nobody talks about them, what happened. And it just so turns out that the leader, Alistair, uh, was Evie's grandfather, and she doesn't have any family at all. She didn't think she had him. So she becomes really involved in attempting to rescue him because he's sent out this letter saying, help me. And also, uh, here are some other tasks I need you to do. So she becomes obsessed with that. Sebastian, who is a very by the rules kind of guy, can't help but kind of get invested as well. He helps. Adventure ensues. So the first book was mostly in the city in which they live and mostly in the Explorer Society, which I compare to kind of a, a Willy Wonka uh, chocolate factory because mm-hmm. it it's it could exist but it's also you don't know how tall it is yeah. there are rooms that how does that even work um and then the second book uh they get split up and uh sebastian ends up in south korea with obviously a k-pop band and uh evie and uh, one of the explorers from the philip pendulous five who they find in the first book Catherine, end up in australia helping out this small community with a shark. They get back together. They're running away from the bad guys. They find another member of the Philopendulous Five, Benedict. And then we move on to book three, which is the one coming out. So this one, we collect, kind of Pokemon style, we collect <laughs> the last uh, two explorers of the Philopendulous Five, because remember, they're going after the leader, so that's number five, uh, in order to then come together and rescue Alistair. So when you started the first <laughs> book, did you know where the third book would end or do you have to? Because there wasn't ever really a guarantee, I don't think, that there would be a second book and then a third book. It was sort of thought of in that way. But did the books have to be kind of standalone? Well, yeah, see, that's the interesting thing. Um, whenever I'm asked for advice about writing, I'm always, you know, I would attempt to do standalone, but with series potential is the sentence that a lot of people talk about. And that's what I've done in the past. But I'll tell you, somehow this this whole book deal turned into, no, this has a very specific arc. And we're just going to cross our fingers and see what happens. It gets to there, which is great because that's why I'm so floored, because I haven't in the past had this opportunity to wrap up a series. And this one was definitely, you know, three act structure. Um, and yeah, they had the individual books do have their own beginning, middle and end, but they definitely are linked together. And it's one of those ones I say, yeah, you do have to read the first two before you read the third. The good thing is the first two are now in paperback. So it's a lot less expensive. Also, libraries are amazing. We always love libraries. And in Canada, at any rate, authors, we actually do get some money from libraries. I know. So it's, it's always, okay. It's always a fun day when yes. that check from the public lending right shows up because I knew nothing about it. Uh, and on my first book, somebody said, oh, you got to sign up for this. I'm like, pray tell. What is this? <laughs> I did. I have 10 books now. And, wow, and, 10. Yeah. And and now every once a year, yeah. usually in May, you get a check that comes out of nowhere. My birthday's in May. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, you. It's sort of like it's Christmas for authors if you're yeah. on social or anything. There's this little moment of yeah. celebration through your feed. Of, yeah. I got my PLR check. Well, it's also uh, it's that idea of making money while you're sleeping. Yes, right? it's very nice. But, you know, I I mean, 
we've, we've earned it. Yeah. I think it's very important. I think access copyright, which is a whole other conversation, but there's also access copyright, which helps um, um, authors uh, with people. So when they use parts of your books and yeah. when they photocopy them, and it's for schools and uh, institutions and such. And you also get some money from that, though. They're, they're fudging that, with yeah, the yeah. rules. We won't get into politics. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, I... Uh, I I definitely am just thrilled, quite frankly, that I was able to finish the series. I got overclumped when I wrote the end. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. So tell me about that. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I'm not. I don't know. So I sometimes I think I'm. I when it comes to authoring, I'm not really the author. It's like, oh, my characters are doing their own thing. Mm. I I like to torture my characters because that's a good story, right. and I like to I like playing make believe, and I like being in there. But maybe it's also the acting thing. I can like get out of there maybe easier. I have the sort of the skill set to pull myself out. Right. But honestly, getting to that last chapter and writing it, and that was the end. I was oh my gosh, I'm gonna miss them so. Much. I. I adore them. I uh, Evie and Sebastian. I like they're both halves of me, yeah. and the explorers, the adult explorers, and everybody in the pig and the teeny hat. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm working with the illustrator, uh, Matt. Um, uh, oh my gosh, he's got uh, Rockefeller. I'm like he's got the like you know yeah. the, the epic last name, Matt Rockefeller, and the last picture is basically the uh, this photograph this final photograph and so it's it's really framed like almost literally like you know the and what I saw the drawing. Is there a setting sun in the background Uh, of the picture? There could be. We'll just pretend the sun has set so much that's behind them. Ah, But it's just, honestly, I saw the picture and then I started to cry again. And then I got the book, my author copies, last week and I cried again. And then it's, yeah, lots of, but I cry easily. I mean, it's just me. And this book, though, I mean, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying you probably didn't kill them all at the end of this book. So (laughs) they could come back. They could come back. Well, it's true. And I did. It's is sort of set up for more adventures, and you know, there's there's talk in the world. So uh, you know, I I had you know a, a, some interest from film, TV, yeah. um, and there's still stuff in the air, and there is a lot of talk when I have meetings and talk to people about how you know this is basically just the beginning. Yeah, and, and they, what will yeah. happen? And it is this. open, and yeah, I mean, who knows? I could maybe that's also what keeps me sane, mm-hmm. knowing that I could actually go back to them someday if if. If ah the ache is too much, and you you say that you think that this is a young adult novel, but you say that they're really for adults as well. I mean, I've always felt this way. It's technically a little younger. It's technically sure. middle grade, which is ages eight to twelve, the middle grades. Um, but I, I mean, I fell in love with middle grade books when I was in high school. So I read them voraciously as a child, and then I was told, okay, now you read adult books, and because yeah. why it was sort of existed, but not really. And um, I did, and I enjoyed them, really got into my Agatha Christie's at that point. And then uh, by, like, my last year of high school, I was back reading Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan and the Phantom Tollbooth. And then Harry Potter was just around the corner and, you know, a series of unfortunate events. Suddenly, you know, there's this renaissance in children's uh, books. And I just, I fell back in love. And I just think... The best, as I said, the best children's book, they're kind of like a Pixar movie. That's how I compare middle grade. Right. You go to a Pixar movie, I go as an adult by myself, it, like 
mid-afternoon. You know, because I, I, I love them so much because they're art and I own basically all of them. I'm uh, unfamiliar with Bendy oh, and the Ink with the, Machine. With so the property? Tell, yeah, so tell me what oh, that's all about. It's so yeah, I can't actually, like, all right, jaw on floor. Well, it's an indie game, so I'm not surprised you're not familiar mm-hmm. with it, but it is so up your alley. Well, and I'm old. So. Well, I mean, I, I, I am too. <laughs> um, so, okay, so basically, so the novel itself, just so you know, it's like an epic name with a colon and the, you know, so it's Bendy and the Ink Machine colon Dreams Come to Life. Right. Um, just because the title of the book, I guess, is Dreams Comes to Life, but hey, it's a Bendy and the Ink Machine property. Right. So it's an indie game. It's, okay, I guess I'll tell you what it's about first, but the whole development of it, I'm obsessed with because it was kind of an accident and I love it. So it's a first person puzzle horror video game. That Mm -hmm. means you're walking, it's like you're walking through the hallways and you have to, you find things. And basically you you get a, you've gotten a letter uh, from someone named Joey. And you're evidently a person named Henry. And you've arrived in the studio of uh, an old animation studio. So already, you see? You yep, see, see why I think you I might? Know, I might <laughs> And the animation style, so it's the older cartoons. There's a debate online, which I love. Is it Disney or is it refer- well, referencing Disney or is it refer- referencing the Fleischer mm-hmm. cartoons? And there's a lot of speculation as to why it might be the latter. I don't think the developers have ever actually answered the question. So the Fleischer cartoons would be like Betty Boop, Betty and, Boop, and Popeye. Like yeah. Evidently, and this is what I learned in my research for that. Was also the first uh, Superman. Yeah, that's uh, right. And they had that, and they were uh, based out of uh, New York. And um, and yeah, so you're in this old studio. It's we learn later, but it's basically the 1960s. The studio no longer up and running, and you're walking through and you're finding puzzles and you're trying to put again. It's creepy and it's all sepia tones because everything's kind of lit by candles. Old fashioned, yeah, oldie yeah. timey. In other words, but as we go along, we realize the cartoons have come to life. And that's sort of where we get into the horror element. And Bendy, so we've got Bendy and the Ink Machine. Bendy is kind of like the studio's Mickey or, you know, so so Steamboat right. Willie yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A popular character. Yeah, who who was very popular yeah. in, the, in the 30s especially. And no one remembers that. No, exactly. Um, so, 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 yeah, so they come to life and then there's a really scary monster that sort of looks like Bendy but kind of all crazy and much more 3D realized. And it's just really creepy, especially if you're playing it first person. There are five chapters, and I won't tell you how it ends, because, right. whoa. Um, <laughs> this whole game, it, it, it started, so the the, the two uh, developers who started it, but now they have a whole team, are uh, the Meatly, who is a, a he, uh, he's a puppet. He's uh, You can find him on Twitter. He's very cute. He sounds a bit like Kermit. Uh. Um, and then Mike Mood, who is a, a games developer, uh, who you can also find. So a games developer and his puppet. And his puppet. Well, no, except the Meatly is his, they're not the same, uh. and it was actually began with, it was the Meatly invented Bendy, uh, the, the uh. character of Bendy invented. But as I've done my research, they were working on something else together, and they just put together this fun little creepy animation studio, oldie-timey thing for fun, put out a chapter one that was initially supposed to be called Demo, but they changed the name last minute to chapter one. Mm. And then they put it out on Steam, it was free, and, uh, and then suddenly, like two days later, it went viral. And then they went, uh-oh. <laughs> so they had to make chapter now we, two. Yeah, now we have to do yeah, more. Uh, in like a month. And it just, the fandom just grew. And they are so into the aesthetic. Because it's the aesthetic is, I mean, there's so much that's great. The storytelling, the voice work. The Meatly also does all the music. It's just, it's really gorgeous and really creepy and awesome. But the aesthetic is so great that like fandom just took over. The fan art is incredible. There's so much of it. 
And um, and then you now have swag. You have swag at Hot Topic and in Walmart. I have a little uh, keychain thingy on my on my bag here. Yeah. I'll show you. There he there he is. See, there's Bendy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just it's it's incredible. So I, they're at this point now with their you know with. With the whole game, well, it's and become it's it's a life beyond the video. Yeah, game. and and obviously they're going okay. What can we do with this? Um, they have a lo- much larger uh, company that they've now called uh, Kindly Beast, and it, it operates out of Ottawa actually, because uh, Mike is Canadian, and um, they wanted a, they wanted books, um, so they have one book that's called a handbook, which is um, there, a lot of games are doing this where they have like. It's really beautiful. It's, you know, it, like found objects and stuff, right. but it also gives you um, Easter eggs and special codes for the game, so things you might not have seen before or little tricks to play mm-hmm. the game. And then there is uh, the novel, uh, uh, which is my novel, which is uh, September 3rd. Um, but again, with books, could you know, they're, they, yeah. they don't really, they come out before the today. I, I know. It's so complicated sometimes. <laughs> I, you work on them for so long, and then it's like, when's it in store? September 3rd? Well, I saw it last week. Uh, like, uh, yeah. And it's sort of like a and so yeah. when do you celebrate? Um, but they wanted a novel, and the way this sort of thing works is you get... Uh, so my agent was approached by my editor from Scholastic asking if I would be interested, and I knew a little bit because actually my, my fiancé, Scott, knew the game, yeah. and he'd actually told me about it because he's, a, like yourself, like a mm. huge film buff and everything, and he loved the whole animation idea. Um, but I didn't know it super, super well at that point. And then I got to know it over the weekend, <laughs> and I fell crazy in love with it. And I was like, yes, yes, I want to write it. And then after everything, and I, I auditioned, I had to write some pages, and I was like, please let me get yeah. this. I want it so badly. And thank goodness I did. And then suddenly reality sat in that, oh, my God, Adrian Kress is writing a horror yeah, book. Yeah. And I have, I, what? How? Yeah. Uh, and, and what do you do? How do you research that <laughs> part of it? How do you research yeah. when I can't research? Um, the good news is, and I was talking about this with a couple of my my horror buddies who like make horror films and yeah. stuff, um, was I'm not desensitized. So the uh-huh. good thing is I know what's scary. And especially because, so this book is YA, um, but we're writing it in mind that younger, because there's a lot of younger players. Right. So we're just, it is scary and there is violence and stuff in it, but it's still other other than that. Right, so it's not cannibal holocaust. It's no, more, yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah, but it's still, you know, it's still scary. Um, but I was, I, I know what's scary and I, I actually realized I have always had horror elements within my books because mm-hmm. adventures, especially the kinds of adventures I'm writing, There's I want peril. them, yeah, I want them to be life and death. I want things to be really scary and I like creepy and you want sort of, Night, I like nightmarish things, and right. I've realized I'm I'm good at writing nightmarish. It's just I'm not necessarily, you know, don't necessarily know all the tropes. So, Bendy and the Ink Machine: Dreams Come to Life is uh, the second of the two books, and and this was a a, a writing gig for hire, and I've done those, and yeah. they are they feel much different. You have to get invested in it, otherwise uh, you don't. You're you're just going to be writing something that you don't really care about that much. So. How do you get invested? You played the video game. You did the I, research. Yeah, I did all the I did all the research. I, 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 I honestly, I just I, 
If I like something, I get really obsessed with it. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people can relate, and I think obviously we have such uh, strong fandoms these days that are almost terrifying yeah, yeah. Um, in in their excitement. Although I will say, I think the Bendy fandom is so sweet, and they've been so welcoming, and they're so lovely, and they're already creating fan art uh, for the book, oh, uh, which is awesome. But yeah, I um, I, I think for me that uh, where I was when the this option of auditioning, uh, quote unquote, came up. I, I was very much, I only want to do it if I actually want to do right, it. Right. So it really was, this sounds really cool. Let me do the research. By Monday, I was like, is it is it nine? Yeah, is yeah. it nine? Can I get, a, get in touch with my agent yet? Can I get in touch with my agent yet? I really wanted to. And then what was really great, so, so, the, so the book... I'm trying to think what I can say because I've never had to deal with spoilers before oh, in this yeah, level. Yeah. But I know what the, is on the back cover copy. The book is set um, in the 40s, mm. so it's interesting because it's between uh, when the studio. It's still it's, the studio's running in right. the 40s, but it's after its heyday, but it's before the game takes place. Right. So um, I've introduced a couple new characters. My main character. It's his, a prequel, really. It's a, yeah, it's sort of a prequel. Yeah, like a middle quel or, yeah. or something. Uh, um, the main character is Buddy, and he is a, a character of my own invention, but one, again, I want, if any of Bendy fans, I, I just need to reassure everyone that the Meatly and Mike um, were, like, are on board, and, right. it, like, you know, we, 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 we talk through everything, and, uh, and it's just, it's really cool about when we're talking about the fan art, because but he does not exist, uh, like in 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 the game, right. or and so to see fan art, like and 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 this the fan art is a just all based on back cover copy, and then uh, Kobo released twenty two pages, the first twenty two pages, and none of us were expecting it, and so the fan we didn't the, at the pub like Scholastic me we didn't know it was happening. Wow. I only learned it happened when suddenly I saw the fans sharing the information online. Um, I was like, what? That's so cool. Uh, and then more art. And some people have done comic strips of like of certain scenes in those first 22 pages. It's quite astonishing. And they're quite lovely. Um, it, it's great when the fans are on your side. Well, yes. And, and I yeah. hope they continue to. Not so to. much uh, when it goes the other way around. <laughs> I, Ask I, Daisy, uh, Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Oh, gosh. God, she's amazing. Mm. Um, I, um, I honestly, yeah, I'm very hopeful. But I think the big thing is that I... I might not have been a fan right from the beginning right. of every when it first came out, that accidental viralness that's right. incredible. But I do consider myself a genuinely big fan now. Like I I I held off buying swag until I got the deal just because I was I really wanted the swag because I love the aesthetic, but I was nervous that if I got the swag, I'd be sad if I didn't get the Well, that, that's the thing. Then you don't get the gig and all of <laughs> and a sudden. Be, yeah. It would be sad, but I love it. I, I have T-shirts. I, I genuinely love the property. So that made it really easy. The other thing that was amazing with this book is the reason why I was like, I have to be the one to write this. So maybe the horror thing is kind of, hmm, but... They wanted a YA book that possibly middle grade readers could read because mm-hmm. there are younger read, uh, game gamers for this. I am like I, middle grade is my jam. You know yeah. that is. I mean, I've read written YA, but like middle grade is my jam. I um, I uh, it's set in New York City, and I love New York City. I've been there so many times. I know the history super well. I recently went to the Tenement Museum in New York mm. City, which is just the, On the, Bowery. the it's best. Amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. And that really actually influenced the book because I'm like, well, I did all this accidental research. <laughs> I'm going to use it, darn it. Um, and then the animation and the film stuff and art. Mm-hmm. So Buddy is an aspiring artist. And I 
basically double majored in art in university. I didn't technically because uh, my drama major didn't allow for a lot of time. So I ended up graduating with a crap ton of art credits um, because I took, I was trying to get an art history degree as well. I love art. I was never really great at it. I had to study because I went to an art school. Um, but I am obsessed with it. So being able to bring all of these together and then the acting thing, it's just, it just, it worked really well. It didn't feel like I was doing a right for hire. It felt like I was writing the book. Just, I was right. Oh, I came up with this idea and I wrote it. I, um, not to take credit away from uh. the actual world creators. Um, but I, I really loved it. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm excited to see what people think and the horror stuff. I will, just to return to that, I will say that even though I can't watch them, I read synopses of all the major, so I like to know what happened in Hereditary, for right. example, and, and stuff. Um, the only problem is the Hereditary synopsis actually did give me nightmares, just the synopsis alone. <laughs> so that, it gets a little dangerous sometimes. So, and I've done, you know, I, I know about The Shining, like I know about film history, and I know about how things work, and I know about jump scare, you know, I, I know concepts. <laughs> um and I know tropes, and I think that was definitely very helpful. And right. then I'll be honest, uh, Scott, uh, who I mentioned earlier, my fiance, he is a massive horror film fan. And you have something which is called a beta reader. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. had the yep. same, and you have yep. people who are reading over. Yeah, you, you yeah. write a book, and then you give it to someone. Uh, I, I usually use complete strangers. Oh, wow. Uh, only because <laughs> I don't want. Yeah, I, I, I want them to be brutal. Brutally yeah, honest. I want them to be brutal. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm a little chicken. See, I'm, I'm chicken. The, the, the theme of today's chicken, Adrian, <laughs> is. But Scott knows his horror, and um, he sort of read it as a beta reader with an eye for that. And there were one or two moments where he was like, I think this might be a really cool moment you could tweak that a little and look another trope um and that was really really helpful um but honestly it yeah it it was a really fabulous experience that i i almost feel like yeah it's a right for hire but is it um because it's also mine i feel very proud of it do you think that you will do others of these, um, if this one does well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, definitely within the you know the 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 Bendyverse, I'm, I'll call it. Um, I think as long as there's an an equal passion and honestly, the ability, the the respect. There's been such a wonderful mutual respect. I mean, obviously, I <laughs> respect or like in awe of the the developers yeah. and the creators of the game, but they've been wonderfully respectful of me and of what I bring to the table as well. And it's interesting because there's there's just so much with the, the gaming, quote unquote, tie-in novel where it's at now versus where it used to be. Um, there, this with Scholastic, they've been doing this for a while, but this is their first year they've had a proper imprint called right. AFK, away from keyboard. Yes. Um, just in these video game tie-in books, but they're not novelizations of the games, and they're not sort of they're not book packaged in, in right. that you know you 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 make up an author name and then you sort of hire somebody else right. to do. They are bringing in big authors. They're bringing in people. You know, it's they're they're novels in their own right. They're they're in a way they're paid fan fiction. Yeah. You know, yeah. we are we're writing within the worlds. With obviously the permission and and uh, and what I'm writing is canon for the Bendyverse and 
but they're they deal with real issues. They deal. I'm I'm dealing post World War II, and my main character is Jewish. So take with that what you will. Right. Um, what kind of issues get dealt with? And a lot of the the issues in the book are about personal responsibility and the self versus helping others. Let's talk just you know how how we got here. How we got here. Well, uh, I, I took the subway. Yes, you uh, took the subway yeah. and then had to walk for a little while. I walked a little, yep, you know, like yep, yep. seven minutes, I believe it says on uh, <laughs> Google Maps. Uh, what was your biggest influence when you were a kid? Oh, boy. In terms of writing. And that <laughs> sort of thing. Oh, I thought you just meant in, yeah, in yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, well, there's, I mean, there's, there are so many, you know, literary influences um, and book influences. Uh, a big one, um, which I believe we've talked about <laughs> in, in the past, is actually my dad, which is mm. um, kind, of, kind of awesome. He taught creative writing um, at, uh, well, in a few schools, but at McKenzie, he was head of English there. And um, so he would, you know, sort of assign me, not assign me, but like, hey, let's do this creative task. And he was very encouraging, obviously. So I would start writing poems or little short stories and I would dictate them to him and he would type them up on the Commodore 64, as you do. (laughs) Um, And uh, with the yellow letters and the green background. Yes. And, And then they were like, they were like little picture, like little graphic. They were like, not clip art, but like proto clip art right. like I don't know they were like it was amazing uh, it was very exciting for me um, and but I, and and it was very helpful to have and also you know my mother was also an English teacher and both of them were involved with theater and artsy people and reading to me a lot and so that was just part of my life it, it, it wasn't actually until my last year of university when I had a um, a one-on-one session with my um, playwriting teacher the incredible Janet Sears like crazy, amazing Canadian playwright, um, where she said to me, you know, I, I hope you also stick with the writing. I know acting's your thing, but I, because I think, I think you're good at it. And that was literally the moment, the first moment it clicked. Oh, you mean not everybody just hobbies right, yeah, writing yeah. fiction for fun? <laughs> you know, like I, I just thought this was just, yeah, this was a fun thing, acting, 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 yeah, acting, yeah. you know, focus. Um, so that really changed how I looked at it. As far as writing influences, um, they're all over the map. I would say the big one just for voice um, has always been Douglas Adams. Mm. Just ever since. So my dad would read to me before bed and he'd read the class. He read like all of Lord of the Rings to me. Can you imagine <laughs> reading all of Lord of the Rings to someone and remembering the voices? Right. Like, oh, it's it's a lot of work. Um, but then he picked up Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it blew my mind because yeah. it was unlike anything. Um, it, it was, you know, it made fun of writing. It made fun of the, you know, the narrator, reader. I mean, not mm-hmm. that I'm aware of this as a kid, but I was like, why is this so funny? Yeah. Um, and why does so, it yeah. feel so different? Yeah. yeah. So I became obsessed with that. So I think Douglas Adams, I call him my patron saint. Um, <laughs> but then after that, there's so many, so many adventure books. Uh, Eden Blyton wrote all these adventure books. I, um, I, as I already mentioned, the Agatha Christie, so I always need to have a villain monologue towards the end. <laughs> a good villain monologue. People, I, I didn't actually read the articles because there was some article that was seemed to be like a, a re- redemptive uh, article for the villain monologue saying, right. no, no, this is why you should have your villain's monologue. Right. I didn't read it because I already knew why. Because yeah. it's awesome. Because everybody enjoys it, especially if you kind of have, it's I've always secretly wanted to write mysteries, but I'm not good at it. Mm. So you kind of have a little mystery here and there. You have the pieces come together in the Agatha Christie style. You need that last monologue where the explanation happens. And it's just great and delicious. And uh, and if you want to be meta, you know, you can Incredibles it. You know, oh, right. you caught me monologuing. You know, right, all that right. that kind of thing. But it's it's so good. 
Um, yeah. And then a lot of film honestly influences uh, my writing because I am a huge cinephile. Mm -hmm. And I uh, so a lot of what I write ends up being very visual, I think. And I have a lot of blocking yeah. in my scene. Blocking is like where people stand yeah. in on yeah. stage or in a scene. And so one of all writers sort of have those certain words that are unique to themselves that they write too often. Mm -hmm. um, and mine is turned because characters turn, turn. a fair yeah. bit and they yeah. turn and they look and uh, they look and they turn. And it's, turn, turn's one yeah. you can get away with. Yeah. A friend of mine used the word dazzling once all the way through a uh, book oh that boy. was clearly not edited in the way that it should. And I was reading it and it was like, for, why does this seem familiar? Why? Oh, uh, yes. Dazzling. Because I mean, it's on every fourth page. Dazzling's a good word, but th that's why you have to use once it sparingly. Once every hundred thousand yeah. words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And, and and often the the key is to get one of your uh, harsh beta readers to point them out and then to yeah. literally just do a find and replace. Yeah. Because half of writing is, I feel like, just like is just doing math. It's not, I want to be creative and yeah. I want to enter the world and get to know my characters and wherever they lead me. It's like, frig, I need a synonym for dazzling. Yeah. Uh. And, well, and, and I'm speaking with uh, Adrian Kress, uh, two books coming out. Uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine, Dreams Come to Life, and the third part of the Explorer series, The Quest for the Kid. I think that that's true. And you so often hear uh, from people saying, oh, I uh, I only write when the muse hits me. Uh, <laughs> when, when does the muse hit you? I've had someone ask me once when the muse hit me, and I said, I'm not sure that the muse has ever hit me. Uh, rent has come due, mm. and, and you know, I'd like to eat. And uh, that's, hunger has, hunger hit, me. has yeah. hit me, and that's why you end up writing. Well, it's it's definitely that's I, the muse. That's the muse. Well, <laughs> the biggest thing I, I tell writers, I, there's a lot of things about writing you have to learn, and there's lots of there's also, in my opinion, far too 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 much advice out there, yep. and yep. especially with thank you internet, there's it's easily accessible, and you get bogged down. But my main thing I've said to people is, you need to write a book in order to learn that you can write a book. Yeah, and. When I learned how to write a book, um, that I knew I could write a book, um, up until like basically the just before the climax and denouement of this book, which was Alex and the Ironic Gentleman, my first book, I'd just been writing for fun. It'd been mm -hmm. over a year. I'd just been writing it, but I really was getting into it. And I was like, you know what? It's I think this could be a thing. I should look how I was an actor. I was like, yeah. how, <laughs> can't be any harder than acting, yeah, yeah. being a writer, because um, nothing is. Uh, <laughs> so I looked into it and. I sent out uh, my my query letter to agents and everything, and almost immediately they wanted the whole book. Mm. But I hadn't finished it. Um, and it was that finishing the book in three days in order to get it that suddenly clicked for me that you don't have to have a muse hit you. Right. You can just write because, oh, my God, I have to or I'm in trouble. And quite frankly, because that was the end of Alex. Now I'd been with the book for a year. I'd yep. been writing it. It it required the least amount of edits come once it's sold and everything. It was the smoothest. It it taught me that inspiration doesn't equal quality. Sitting there going, oh, yes, I know exactly what to write. It does not create a piece of work any better than I don't know what to do. I don't just type the word the. Go. Well, well I think uh, I had uh, Terry Fallis in here. 
or Fallis in here a little while ago, and he's a Stephen Leacock Award winner. He's written a bunch of books, seven books. His new book is called Albatross, the Novel. <laughs> and he's an engineer, or, or engineer by training. He never actually worked as an engineer, <laughs> but he's an engineer by training. And, and he uh, plots these things in his head. He thinks and thinks and thinks and thinks that and thinks. That would make sense. And then the writing is uh, not secondary, but it's certainly the end of a longer process. And I think that's often how uh, books work. I uh, the, the quickest I've ever banged out an entire book is about three weeks. Whoa. And, but <laughs> but it, would, it had been in my head for a while and I knew what it was going to be. And I had done some of the interviews in nonfiction books, so it's a little different. But um, I banged out uh, uh, a book in about three weeks, and but that is that's all you do for three weeks. Yeah, and and I mean, I will say I end up writing books the way I used to do assignments at school, which is a little here, a little there, and then everything the night right. before, or in this case, three weeks mm-hmm. equals sort of night before. Yep. But absolutely, like I'm definitely there are different ways of writing. I was always the um, the person who's you know button chair, just write and yep. see what happens but if you take if you if you have to get things by a certain deadline uh laying it all out figuring it out i mean that's how with 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 bendy in fact just because it was a very tight turnaround because it's i i actually went through my email the other day just to see how long this process has been and i think i got the gig like august at the end of august of last year so that's how fast normally a book takes 18 months to come out i hadn't written the book yet yeah by August so of last year. So I had yeah. to write it. It had to be edited. It had all this stuff and arcs had to come out and now it's out. In, in terms of, of advice for writers, I've had a lot of writers oh. through here. And <laughs> and my only advice that I ever give people, just do it. Yeah. You just do it. There's no other way to know whether you can do it other than just doing it. And you will then create your own way of doing it, whether you're Terry Fallis, who sort of comes at it from an almost scientific point of view or like me that sits in a chair and just, (laughs) you know, makes yourself do it or whatever it is, uh, you know, that will be, then become your process, and then that will become your your advice. I, I have uh, I, I don't have the time, but I have like a really quick story. When I went to see John Irving, J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. and uh, Stephen King talk at uh, the Radio City Music Hall, yeah, yeah. and I was up in the nosebleeds, and there was a question about the writing process, and. Um, Stephen King uh, answers first, and he explains that he sees a string sticking out of a hole in a wall, and he starts to pull, and he starts to pull, and he starts to pull, and he pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls till he gets to the other end. And it was, you know, it was nice. Everybody laughs, and it's a nice metaphor. And then, Mr. Irving, what's your answer? And and John Irving kind of looks at Stephen King. He's like, well, I'm I'm, I'm a little different. Um, I'm not pulling on that string until I know what's on the other right, end yeah. of it. And it's great because also just those two authors, yeah. it's, you know, like the horror guy, like, I oh, will, we'll right. just have to see. Um, it just, it was great. But that's sort of the two major, mm-hmm. as I tell, differences, writing and seeing where it goes or plotting ahead of time. I use a combo of both. I find it very difficult to write synopses because while I know generally where things are going, I, I like to discover in the moment and... Um, and, and, but that's okay. That's my way. And other people will have their ways. And the important thing is, yes, as you say, just do it. Just do it. Just, do just it. write your books. Yes. Like you continue to do. Uh, Adrian Kress has been my guest. She is the author of the Explorer series, including the new book, The Explorer's Qu- The Quest for the Kid, and another new book called Bendy and the Ink Machine Dreams Come to Life for Schoolastic. Adrian, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to Joey on the board. And we'll talk to you again soon.